As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. On today's episode of Android's Dungeon, the finals. Pandemic. Was the world saved? Was it in time? And did the man of the hour come out ahead? And death strikes in D&D. It had to happen eventually, and this time, no takes backsies. Stay tuned. Welcome to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus. I am Jack. And I'm Joel. And this is a show about board games, music, movies, ranting about strange things that may have happened to us the moment before we walked in the studio, getting off on tangents, uh, but mostly about board games. Yeah. Usually this is a fun show where we... Usually we, fun. <laughs> we, we joke and we have... A good time, but this is going to be a sad, somber episode. Yeah, it's it's going to be more depressing than usual. And so <laughs> we're going to take a dark tone, <laughs> as opposed to the constant upbeat tone we've usually got. But I think we generally have a pretty good time doing this. So. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I know I'm having a good time. <laughs> Whether <laughs> our listener is having a good time is a better question. But doesn't matter. Joel, what have you been playing recently? Uh, so I just got back uh, yesterday uh, afternoon. I I drove Friday night all the way to Montreal, and yesterday afternoon I participated in the national finals for Pandemic Legacy. No, sorry, Pandemic Survival, which is a modified version of Pandemic. And we've talked about it a little bit on the show. Joel did yep. this at um, he qualified at the boardroom in Guelph and uh, went on from there to Montreal. Tell us about the format of this one. Was it the exact same? What was different? Yeah, so we, bef- leading up to the event, you know, it was kind of this whole, like, should we or shouldn't we bother <laughs> should we or shouldn't going we? all the way to Montreal just to um, just to try out and see if we could get into the world finals, which, of course, is then in Italy. And do we have time to fly to Italy? Uh, uh, it was actually... I probably wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for my partner being so gung-ho. He actually is the one that registered us. He asked, he sent me a text that said, hey, what's your t-shirt size? Everything like that. Uh, so he was really into it. And I have an interview with him, but uh, we won't bother putting it up. But basically what he said was he was he has life plans ahead of him, right? Yeah. And his life plans are moving to England. Mm-hmm. And he put that off. He had a flight for this Wednesday, this last Wednesday, and he put it off just for this tournament. That's remarkable. I I like games, but <laughs> this is... I don't this, really think I would have changed This is the guy that does not have a collection of games. He's got yeah. Pandemic, Catan, and uh, I don't know, What Do You Meme or something. <laughs> he just keeps going really up. Yeah. That's, you know what? Brief tangent. We were out on Friday with some people, and they were saying they were out at with some friends somewhere else. Uh, obviously not nearly as cool friends as we are. And somebody else busted, they busted out, What's what do you mean? And if, <laughs> according to their description, they said, I'm going to clean this up a little bit, but they said it was not fun. And yeah. it, you could see the party just grind to a halt as soon as this game came out because it was just like, it, it was a, the, this is a poor description. 
but it was a less fun version of Cards Against Humanity, which says a lot. Yeah, I think it's really funny that, you know, there was there was a period of time on Android's Dungeon where we couldn't get through an episode without talking about Scythe. Yeah. And then there was a period of time where we couldn't get through an, an episode without talking about Gloomhaven. Uh, Gloomhaven. And now it's, what do you mean, week after week? I, it just, it Did does, it come up it just keeps popping up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and last week, uh, I think Stefan had played it at a party. Hmm. And we we're also talking about the top. Although, yeah, you're right. Last week we didn't talk about it. Well, the bottom line is, for some reason, it's vaguely popular. I don't know if it's because it's inexpensive and everyone loves memes. <laughs> I guess but... we should promote it somehow. Uh, Low energy. You want to hate yourself? <laughs> we're, we're off on a sidetrack. But last thing I'll say is, it's not even fun memes. And the thing is, like Joel has this neat idea of the meme economy, where it's oh, like yeah. you, you can buy and sell, you can short memes, and you can see things that may have some legs for temporary investment, but you don't want to go long on this meme. Well, the moment you see it in like a Walmart Certain, yeah. T-shirt or something, you know you got to sell it. Yeah, know? it's like when you're the old joke was I think it was about. Um, I don't know if it related to marijuana stocks or not, but uh, there was uh, someone big in New York who was driving, and his Uber driver was talking about marijuana stocks, and he knew he had to get out of the market at that point because yeah. it's, it's reached uh, peak. Yeah. Anyway, back pandemic. That was an aside, folks. Yeah, speaking of the mainstream, no. Um, yeah, so we went to Montreal, and this was much of a more serious format. So in the first one, we had two referees. Uh, they were pretty easy going, but we did our own thing, and then once in a while they would come and check on us and say, what's your board state, how are you doing, everything like that. In this one, every single table had a referee assigned to them. They were very serious, and we actually almost got kicked out of the tournament. Twice. Now, is this is this like a kind of like something really anal about like Magic the Gathering? Like, oh, you didn't cut your deck before you put it down there, or you didn't shake their hand, or you didn't say it's go. It's a it's a communication rule. So in between turns, you're not allowed to communicate with your partner. Now, this wasn't actually. It was it was told to us during the tournament, so we could hear other other teams talking uh-huh. as the epidemics are flipping, yeah. as the cards are being drawn, as uh, pen as a uh, pandemics are being resolved um we could hear other teams talking but if we spoke to each other our referee was very adamant do not speak or i will give you a warning and if i have to give you a warning uh and you speak again or you communicate again you will be disqualified incredible yeah what a strange rule too what's i don't understand the purpose of it too i'm not sure either i guess it is not considered game time it's like sort of pausing the game at that point but it took like a good two to three minutes for them to resolve because People had to draw and then discard their excess cards beyond seven. If an epidemic happened, everybody needed to read what it did because I'll get into it, but it was the virulent strain challenge, which is like an expansion that I, obviously me and Callan never heard yeah. of before. Um, but yeah, so we, we got in a little bit of trouble, but we, 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 we had fun with it. We were joking with the ref, ref about it, and I think he was pretty chill. So you, you brought up part of this that I was going to ask is that are you is every term turn timed like everyone has like every round is five minutes if you have not resolved oh, forget it, that about point. it we get one minute 25 seconds wow exactly and if you go beyond that you well you don't go beyond that if you're not done by then it's kind of like the hands in the air thing if you touch anything you're if you're disqualified so do you just forfeit the rest of your your actions is that what yeah exactly but a minute 25 is is a lot longer than you should need to make four moves mm-hmm but, uh, but the thing is, we ended up having to discuss everything else in that time as well. So it was the moment that they would say, your turn, all of a sudden we used to say, okay, so I can see over there that that guy's got three cures already, but who knows, he's got three cures really quickly, blah, 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 and we would just go through everything. Yeah. And then 
uh, we would have to, at the end of our thing, once we were done deciding what to do with our move, say, okay, so if, if, if you draw these colors, I want you to discard these colors. Yeah. And the reason for that was actually a good reason. It's a really cool um, role that they put in. It's an expansion role. It's called the Archivist. Okay. Have you ever heard of it? No. So the Archivist has an eight-hand limit. Oh, interesting. base ability. But its, re- its most interesting ability is that once per turn, if it's on the city, it can take a card from the discard. Interesting. When you say on the city, so are you saying, so let's say I'm in uh, Mumbai. Mumbai's already been discarded for some reason. I can grab it back from the discard pile? Exactly, once okay. per turn. So it kind of forced people to decide, do I want to get to cities, pull things from the discard, and then cure quicker? Or do I want to focus on curing the diseases around mm-hmm. the map and everything like that? And you were saying, because we talked about this a little bit, in the past, this was just, was it still just survival or was it that there were, you were aiming to win? Because you made it sound before like you were just hoping to outlast the rest of the, the other teams because it was so brutal. Yeah, so I read a couple things that kind of led us towards a more defensive play. One was uh, there was a former judge of Pandemic Survival who had said the majority of games end in last man standing. Mm-hmm. So that would be there are 12 teams and 11 of them die and one of the teams just manages to squeak out a survival to a certain point, Mm -hmm. they win the game. So as in they like survive one round longer than the previous team? Yeah. So finding four cures um, is less common than just not dying. So uh, that, and we kind of naturally lean towards that anyway. But um, yeah, so that's one of the reasons why we played sort of cautiously. Mm -hmm. The other reason was we had watched the French national final. So they, the French speaking Canadians actually get to send a delegate as well. (laughs) And last year, they're the ones that won the world championship. Interesting. And what's the, what is there money at the end or what's the, the prize for winning is uh, you win a trip to anywhere on the pandemic map. Uh, you get remember, yeah, now I remember you saying $100 this. a day for 10 days. Okay, that's fine. It's better than a kick in the pants, but yep. that's pretty cool. It, it's And we all know Pandemic is one of these games that um, I think I would call it a staple. I think we've talked about this in the past. Like, if you go into a house, the, the old staples were Scrabble, Monopoly, Clue, Risk. Yep. Like you get, any house will have variations on these. The new staples will be, everyone still has those to different degrees. I think Scrabble is still Scrabble. There's nothing wrong with having that in the house. That's yeah. its own game. But Pandemic, Ticket the Ride, Catan, and... Dominion, maybe. Dominion's pushing it, in my opinion, but... Seven Wonders. Even that, I think, is pushing <laughs> it. But from, in my opinion, those three are just so simple yeah. and basic. But Pandemic, I maybe is I maybe I'm just being biased and I've played too many times where I think it's too simple, but... Definitely, it, if people don't have games, they have content. It, yeah, that's it. Where it's just like, it's something to expect to see in someone's house. If you yeah. if, any, if they have an interest in, do you like board games? Have you heard of this pandemic game? It's like, yeah. But it's pretty neat, the fact that there's enough interest in this to not only field little tournaments all over the place, but to send people into qualifiers and semifinals yeah. and finals around the world, too. It's amazing how their expansions and their spinoffs don't go away. Like, they've, they've become even more successful than the game itself. I think. You're talking about, like, Iberia, like, Rising Tide? Well, and obviously, Legacy, Legacy is yeah. the biggest success story. You're talking about the second highest rated game. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think even the expansions, like, to be honest, I had never played it on the brink, never heard of it, and I had never heard of... Uh, Virulent Strain, which is what we played. Was that sorry? Is Virulent Strain its own expansion, or is it part of On the Brink? I think there's two. Yeah. And they're they're 
they're both called On the Brink, but oh, okay. I don't know what the name Which is. Which one is the Bioterrorist? Is that in On the Brink as well? On the Brink, yeah. Okay. And that also adds the fifth player. Okay. So um, so that's another element of the game, which uh, I wouldn't say it threw it off. Like, we actually did, we enjoyed Virulent Strain, and we actually, on the way back, <clears throat> bought it on the app <laughs> and started playing it. But it basically, it, it picks one of the diseases, and it makes it way harder to cure. Okay. And one of the main um, praises for this expansion is that most expansions just throw more stuff at you. They mm-hmm. give you more features, more roles, um, maybe more players. Yep. Uh, this one uh, was designed to take the people that were beating Pandemic consistently at Legendary, which is seven epidemics. And Who are, th- who are these people, by <laughs> the way? I don't people complaining in forums that, uh, pa- that Pandemic has gotten too easy. And it took a game and it basically it just punched them repeatedly in the uh, in the crotch area. <laughs> uh, and that's basically what Virulent Strain is. is just a really, really, really difficult version of Pandemic that supposedly breathed new life into a dead into a dead game. It's tough. That, like, I like Pandemic. It's one of our, the first games we ever picked up. Not like the first, but it was definitely like when the collection was growing in the begin- early stages, that was Pandemic was right there. Yeah. I remember when Kayla and I picked it up for the first time. I think we got it was either J and J's or four hundred one. We came back with it, and we were setting up that night. And just in Kayla's apartment, I had I I think I even um, I just liked the 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 soundtrack for, for Contagion, the movie. Threw it on, and yeah. we didn't do the easiest. We did the second easiest uh, just to learn the game. Yep. And we had a ball. It was so much fun, and we we kind of breezed through it. It was pretty simple. But again, this was on the second easiest. I'm not trying to say this was on legendary anything, but. I have played with people who are like, let's be tough guys. Let's throw it on the top, the top difficulty. Like, yeah. it just brutal. It wasn't fun even. It was just felt like I was just getting crushed the entire time. So the Absolutely. idea of people are saying pandemic's too easy on the hardest difficulty is <laughs> astounding you, right? to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but they're probably playing with just two players, and they probably two players their, a lot easier. Favorite uh, classes every time or something. Yeah. You know, there's they talk about the dream team, like the scientist, researcher, medic, mm-hmm. and if you get those three, you're supposed to be able to win every time. And, I want somebody to prove that to me. I want to see it in action. Like, yeah. show me what you're doing that makes this winnable. But but anyway, back to the tournament. Yeah, uh, we didn't win. What ended up happening was we had the best board state, and we felt super confident. Uh, Sorry, one more question while we're on this, because I, I think I may have been a bit confused. Did everyone have shuffled up decks? Like, everyone's deck was different, or were no. they all seated identically? Everybody's player deck was seated identically. Okay, and then they had seated the epidemic or sorry the disease deck as well but every time an epidemic occurred they would shuffle what was on okay so so that's where the randomness showed up for that interesting okay um but um they did see when the epidemics occurred Mm -hmm. and it got into this weird situation where there was this really long lull like maybe eight or ten turns without an epidemic you're getting real everything yeah everything got easier and th- at that point, you know, I started to just go around and pick up cards. Yeah. And so we got into the situation where <laughs> Kyle thought he had cured yellow. Um, he had five cards. He yeah. put them in the discard. Uh, our rep- our judge yelled, cure, uh, flipped the cure. Um, the turn ended. Uh, the diseases flipped. The epidemics flipped. <laughs> Everything else happened going into my turn. And then the referee said, whoa, 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 wait, wait, hold on. And he went and he looked at the five cards. Yeah. And then he looked at the virulent strain thing. Uh, and our color just happened to have something flip that said, you need six cards to cure this. So at this point, it's like, oh, what do we do? 
So the we got hit with a penalty, basically, is what happened. was that that didn't happen. He had to yeah. take all the cards back, and then he didn't get any additional moves. Oh, so man. So the moves that he did to cure yeah. were not what he would have done. And then it, it wasn't all that bad, honestly, because he drew a yellow. He had six yellows. He cured it the next turn. But it's still... <laughs> I, it's it's that's it, it it feels close to me and what we I think we were talking about this last time or maybe outside of the show was there are times when you're playing a game and there's there you don't and I think it came with cyclades is that there's times when you're playing it and there's sort of like a, actually I can do this or actually you're not allowed to do that and it just kind of like you just feel kneecapped because it's yeah it, and then it's new like through, okay do we just move on or what do we do yeah what and if you're playing just casually it's kind of like well who cares but when you're in a tournament and you've got yeah. people like putting up their hands and well, warning the, and the penalizing to, the ref had to call over the organizer to say what do we do in this situation yeah right? because it was nobody knew because even the ref forgot that that was a thing because i was gonna say if the ref misses a call i'm sorry exactly. it's a goal still <laughs> yeah it should have been a goal yeah. no but i i don't know if it made a huge difference because he cured yellow on his mm. turn i had the cure in my hand for red yeah and somebody else on the far end who won the championship last year so yep. props to them they're obviously very good and they deserve to go um, managed to squeak it out one turn before us so you had it ready to go they just got there just a yep. step before you and the other thing that really uh, you know, drove us crazy was that the judges were saying that if an epidemic had flipped, that team was dead. Uh, right? So they're t- they're sitting at six outbreaks. Yeah, they've rushed a little bit, but they've rushed a little bit less than all the rest of the teams that have died. Yeah, because uh, there were two teams which got to three cures probably five turns in, like really really quickly. It's ridiculously fast. And then two turns later, they were all dead. How? <laughs> Because the game is designed to be brutal. Yeah. So if you're not focusing on clearing cubes yeah. and you're focusing on getting cures. I, I was confusing cured and dead. eradicate. That's what I was getting oh, mixed yeah, up yeah. with. So it, in case people don't know too, there's two types of, there's there's a normal cure, which is when you can, now treat actions are considered to be you wipe all the cubes and the medic can just walk through cities, which is yeah. extremely satisfying. <laughs> and then there's eradicating, which means the, you've, the disease never shows up. So if you flip up a card or an epidemic or something for this, uh, the city it's like nothing ignore the uh whatever is going to happen here because you've already treated you've already eradicated the disease as far as the game is concerned which is incredible i should point out that the medic was the other role yeah so there was that situation where say that team with three cures stopped trying to find that fourth cure yeah took it easy and just took that medic and ran it across the board yeah they probably would have done better and it's it it's tricky because the issue is when you just see there's like one cube on the other side of the map and you've already like, you're poop, 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 cleaned up everything and you see one cube there. It's like, I'm not stressing about this one. But yeah. it's worth it because if you think about like, I don't know the mathematical distribution of the, the, the cards in the deck, but eliminating basically 25% of the diseases that can appear just because you touched one of the cities in the right order or yeah. you went through it all is a tremendous benefit to you. Yeah, but like... Remember what I was talking about in the qualifier that this game is deliberately brutal? Yeah. Um, we had four, four outbreaks. Mm-hmm. The game did, was designed in such a way that three of those outbreaks were guaranteed. It was a flip a card, mm-hmm. like epidemic happens, that card gets three, yeah. that card flips immediately. Yeah, every yeah, time yeah, yeah. Because that was their rules. And so we had three guaranteed outbreaks and then one which, you know, maybe we could have dealt with, but it wasn't actually a big deal. 
So that's what, and as we're walking in here, we're kind of talking about this a little bit too, is that the pandemic is, that's why the tournament's fascinating because you've seated the deck, so you know what's going to happen. You can kind of be mean to people and make it <laughs> difficult. But when you're playing it at home, folks, you're not seating the deck unless you're, you've got way too much time on your hands or you're following something. So you can end up with games that are a breeze or games that are a nightmare to, to play yeah. through. But after you've shuffled the deck in the tournament, like after these cards have come, then it's like, yeah. what's going to happen? So Anything can pop, yeah. And so we had the situation where we just never had threes, yeah. like three cubes in any spot. We were just very vigilant. And the fact that we managed to do that, have less outbreaks than anyone else on the map, and that um, the situation was I had four reds, and we had a research station, research station on Bangkok, mm -hmm. and I was the archivist, so I could go there, pick up the Bangkok, cure the game, win the game. I feel like we were very satisfied with... Well, it's definitely, it's definitely something where you didn't walk away from, aside from, I guess, the what I felt was like kind of a bit of an e-capping of the, no, you screwed up, here's a penalty type issue. Aside from that, you played it perfectly. Like there, There's yeah. no way you could have, I guarantee if you tried to do things a bit faster, then you would have been in this position saying, oh, if we'd gone a bit slower instead, we would have been, we could have won it. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing that also made us very happy was that we didn't die. Yeah. That Pandemic Survival is a game designed to kill people mm -hmm. where the majority of games end in everybody dying and we have now gone 2-0 and against it, right? So... Congratulations. I'm, yeah, I'm not mad. <laughs> so Android Dungeon, official uh, seal of approval to <laughs> Joel Bryant's performance of uh, surviving. Yeah, and also pandemic Montreal. survival in general. The, the, there will be qualifiers next year. They'll be running from February Are to do it again? May, June. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Um, I highly recommend anybody, if you're, if you're in the area... Uh, wherever you are, because these are running all over the world. <clears throat> uh, check it out. Absolutely go play one. It doesn't cost you anything. They give you prizes just for showing up. Yeah. And uh, it's tons of fun. Like just playing the game in itself, forget about the tournament and playing against people is tons of fun. I wonder if Z-Man is, because uh, that's the publisher. Do they do this for other games that they have? Like is there Carcassonne finals no, or other things? So. It's just... What is it about pandemic? It's what? It's, I think it's easy to make more versions of this. Yeah. And uh, and also their 10th anniversary edition is coming out soon. So yeah, there's a super special box that I saw. Shilling that everywhere. Yeah. So obviously they want to promote their product. Pandemic yeah. is one of their flagships. Obviously Feast for Odin. And, um, That's right. That is even, but it moves publishers <laughs> yeah, so much. You looked it's a little like, shocked there, but I was like, yeah. It well, it's, it's yeah. They I was just thinking it. like there's uh, they have some other very big titles. Obviously, Z-Man is not a small publisher. No, um, it'd be interesting to see if he's frozen, <laughs> but it's basically solitaire anyway. So yeah, it would be a very long term. <laughs> <Can you imagine? laughs> the interesting thing is these games end in like 40 minutes right and that's it so at least there's a set time too like and obviously you can do like chess games could theoretically they theoretically have an end because yeah. you're you're on the clock the whole time so but how many 12 man tournaments do you know that run 40 minutes long? oh I have no idea <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was it fun too like you actually had a ball oh i had so much fun and the thing is i drove 12 hours there and back and i don't regret it for a moment this was definitely going to go down as one of the highlights of my summer wow yeah that's really special. That's I think that's a really nice thing for you to have said. Yeah, it's fantastic. And and Kyle, I know that Kyle felt the same way. Yeah, we had a really good time just driving there, driving back, hanging out in Montreal. Yeah. Uh, the moment that the tournament ended, uh, we we were just in kind of like a haze, mm -hmm. 
but like a good haze. Yeah. And we dr- we left and we just started driving and the entire time driving west for about two hours, we were just talking about that game, you know. <laughs> but that's a that is a like mark animated of animated talking. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like what what do we say? Like the, there's the the Tarantino line that I don't know if he originated or what. Uh, but the, the apple pie. The apple pie. When you finish a good movie and you want to go, so you want to talk about it over some apple pie. That's a good movie. Like whether yeah. it's whether it was a bad movie or whatnot, but you're talking about it. So at least it stimulated you in some yeah. sense. And that's what I was saying to Kyle is that we didn't have to pay for anything. They gave us twenty dollars. Like props to uh, Randolph Pub too. In okay, Montreal. here we go gave us $20 just mm-hmm. for lunch and gave us a ticket for a drink, which was good for an alcoholic drink. So we yeah. got magic potions, which were tons of fun. I got a luck potion for very uh, obvious reasons. What it taste like? Uh, it was tasty. Yeah. It was like grenadine, 7-Up and uh, some kind of liquor. Was it in like a weird little belt or yeah, a, it was in a, a beaker, flask? Yeah. A beaker, yeah. And, it, and it foamed up at the top. <laughs> Was this something you just did for pandemic, or did they always no, have? No, they've helped. I, I I had them when the beaker. Last time I meant I more. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. So the same thing. Yeah. Interesting. It's really cool. Well, yeah. Good props to Randall. What is it? Randall's Pub. Yeah, and I was thinking, you know, there's 20 participants. They're dropping like 400 dollars on these people coming in. They're not making any money. Uh, they're just promoting pandemic and their pub. Do you think Z-Man gave any cash though? It's possible. Yeah. yeah. Either way, I'm sure the judges got paid. Yeah, but how do you get? To, how do you become a judge for something like this too? Like, <laughs> how well do you know the rules of pandemic? Well, I think it's kind of a culture, you know. It kind of reminded me of when I went on the Southern Ontario Amazing Race, and there yeah. were people that had been there for like four or five years and had won once and everything like that. Uh, the world champions will. Uh, I won't spoil it. We'll, we'll talk about them uh, after the break. Okay. Well, it's uh, it's probably like what you're saying though. Like they just. They know the names people have done in the past or enough times. It's kind people of like, keep uh, coming back. Yeah. Hey, Joel, do you want to be a judge when you're like, are you not doing this? Here? Okay, do you mind judging? Do you want to just... Uh... Yeah. And, you know, I think your expected expectations, if you're coming into this thinking you're going to win the Nationals the first time going in, forget about it, right? Yeah. Because A, we didn't even know the game that we were playing. And B, uh, I think we were lucky enough to get there in the first place. I think you played hard, so I wouldn't sell yourself short, but uh, definitely you got the experience <laughs> to get further ahead, I think, for the next time. Yeah. Um, so before we go into the break, I'll just pop in with my... Um, yeah, what have you been playing? My playing, because it's been uh, it's been very busy lately, which is kind of like a sad theme of the summer, where it's just like the little bit of time I do have, it's like there's... Type for a board game, really. But uh, so I will pick something up from the past. Like uh, this was about a, uh, two weeks ago, I think. And uh, there was the new Civilization game that came out, and we talk about Civilization all the time. Um, and there's two. If you're going to talk about Civ with uh, Joel and me, you you have to be specific. Yeah. <laughs> and most and of also know that we're in love. Yeah, we're in <laughs> love with we. Our heart has been stolen. So. Um, there are two types. You have advanced civ or mega civ or regular civilization, which is the Tresham stuff from the 80s. And then there's the, after the licensing issues, Snafu showed up, there was the Sid Meier civilization thing published by, uh, I, I, right now Take-Two, or t- um, Take-Two Interactive, I think, actually has their, their logo on it. But they put a recent new edition, partnering with Fantasy Flight Games, of the new edition of Sid Meier civilization. It's called New Dawn. And it's kind of linked to Civ Five, which I think is the most recent one that's out. I could be wrong. Maybe it's Civ yeah, Six. Yeah, five or six. Either way, it's like a, sort of attached to it. And, um, and initially, I, I played Civilization before the older, the previous edition, and I wasn't knocked down by it. I liked how they handled tech, and I liked the boards, but in general, I found it to be kind of a very long, sort of painful experience. That uh, it, let's just say it overstayed its welcome, and you didn't feel stimulated. Versus. Compare it with Mega Civ, which is could be nine hours long, but you feel engaged and you're having a ball the entire time. So yeah. that, to me, that's a gigantic failure 
of a game if it's long and boring when this game is long and way more fun. Yeah, did you ever finish a Civilization, like, on the computer game? Um, Civ 4, I think, maybe a little bit. Uh, I played a lot of Alpha Centauri when it came out, so I'm going to say that was my Civilization game. But anyway, I picked up uh, New Dawn a little while ago, and um, I learned it two players with uh, Kayla, and I have to say I was I was very impressed with it. And it does this neat thing where you, everyone, it's kind of like a, it's got this pseudo deck builder element to it in the sense of everyone starts with um, a different civilization that basically puts cards in different row. And in front of you, you've got, you line up all five of these cards and they all correspond to a different thing or different type of action you would take in any of these games. So one of them is sort of military, one of them is more economic, one of them is science-based. And the gimmick of the game is, is that as you take an action, you take that card and move it to the front and all the other cards kind of move down the line. And the farther down the line the card is, the more powerful the action is. Mm -hmm. So you could keep taking the same action over and over and over again, but it's going to be weak because you're only sitting at one. It goes up to five. Versus you waiting till or planning your action that you're going to take until it gets to the very end of the line and you get to do something powerful. And it has a very organic tech creep as well because you've just got this dial and you don't have to buy the tech, but you get these points based on how far the card is. And as soon as your dial hits a certain thing, you get to take a tech upgrade corresponding to where you are on there. But that involves a choice? It's Yeah, it's a choice. So you get to basically go through and you can take a card that's in any of, let's say, level two era areas of these these tech cards. And it's better than any one of those cards down there. So if, let's say you're trying to go for... A, and there's, of course, the objectives, public objectives that are at the top, and they have a top part and a bottom part, and you have to do, you basically have to put a marker on each of the cards, whether you're doing the top one or the bottom one. So if you're looking at it, it's like, okay, you this one only is... only do one or the other, I assume. Exactly. So you're looking at this and you're saying, okay, this one's more military-focused. I'm feeling like that's what I'm good at, so I'm going to start putting lots of, or I'm going to boost up my military cards whenever I can. But they're not always a one-for-one one, um, in terms of making it strictly better. Sometimes it's different, mm. but you have to kind of keep an eye on what you're doing. So long story short, the game looks great. It plays so fast, and it almost plays so fast to the detriment of it because if you know what you're doing, it's going to be a very mean, angry game because mm. the attacks can come fast, and... If you're, let's, I'm going to say this, if you're a sensitive soul, you're not going to have a good time because the game relies on you picking on people a little bit. Yep. And not in the sense of kicking someone while they're down, it's just a lot of the stuff revolves around taking cities from people. And because if you want to hold on to certain amounts of it, but it moves so fast that you feel like, and I've mentioned this before with something else that I forget what game I, I was referring to, but the upkeep is coming faster than the gameplay is. So it's almost like you're doing all this stuff. At the end of the round, it's like, okay, you move this dial, and it's like, all right, now I have to move all the the barbarians in this direction i gotta do this and all that and okay okay now it's my turn again but the turns are so fast that you already you know what you're going to do by that time so it's almost like you're spending more time doing the administrative uh than you are playing the game like the in between the in between and i'm not trying to say it's like five minutes but it's just enough that you want to play because the game is fun so you're trying to play it but then you're kind of like no you have to do this move this around refresh this and just yeah. like it's little things that kind of get at you but it's it, you need, you need a host to do it for you. You almost need a host, or like you want to play it on the computer, <laughs> but then it's almost <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I'm just going to play Civilization as it is. But yeah. it's an inexpensive game. I think it's 50 bucks, and the amount of content contained inside of it is just... I really think they, they did a great job with this iteration of it. It's slightly more abstracted as well. Let's see if you can, can put it on a ranking uh, for Civilization board games. What would be the rankings anyway? So it's like... I would say I want to put Megasiv on the top. 
Advanced Civ or Mega Civ. Yeah, but they're different games if you're getting into it, but uh, I'd almost just say Advanced Mag, yeah, they shared, they split it, right? And I haven't played the original, like, normal, non-advanced civilization, but it looks pretty similar, right? And what would you put under that? Um, I'd probably put New Dawn, and I'd probably put, like, Clash of Cultures, and then, I don't under know. Under that for third. Uh, a Clash of Cultures probably get knocked down another pick for me just because of the stupid plastic components. Oh, man, that was bad. Yeah. <laughs> it still haunts me to this day. <laughs> you ever had a piece melt on you? In oh, the like disintegrated in your hands, leaving greasy like residue. Pieces of paint and grease coming off. The uh, Apparently the expansion for it really fixes a lot of the issues in that game, nice. which is frustrating because it's insanely out of print right now. So you can huh. find copies of Clash of Cultures, but you good luck finding the expansion. Anyway, that's what I'll say about uh, what Jack's been up to. So. Nice. We'll come back after the break, and you'll hear a bit of interviews, so stay tuned. I'm here with the winning team from last year, uh, winning world champions actually from last year's Pandemic Survival Tournament. Uh, guys, where, where are you guys from and where did you qualify? Uh, we're from uh, Montreal. Well, I'm from Rossard, close to Montreal, and he's from... I was from Montreal and uh, yeah. now from the South Shore. <laughs> yeah, and we qualified in Sherbrooke, I believe? 
not for that one that was three oh, years yeah, ago. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it was in the La Recreation. Yeah, uh, in Montreal. And the one Montreal. in Montreal also, yeah. Okay, so, so last year wasn't your first year. How many years have you been uh, playing? Last year was our third time we tried to qualify for the yeah, world. Uh, the first year we went, uh, the tournament was at Comic-Con, there was a, a semi-final. We qualified, so we, we reached the big final, but... Uh, we did not <laughs> yeah. win, yeah. <laughs> the year after that, we tried to qualify for the final, we did not, and finally, yes, last year we won the final, yeah. Yeah, we tried two times to qualify. Um, didn't work on the first time here. Uh, it worked at the other place. Okay, where where was the World Finals last year? In uh, Amsterdam. Yeah. And obviously, the most important question: Where did you guys go with your prize to uh, to go anywhere in the world? I'm planning to go soon to Los Angeles with all my family. Uh, it's not the ex most exotic destination, but uh, yeah, the family is thrilled to go on the trip. So uh, Disneyland. Yeah, Disneyland and other. Legoland and other lands of uh, joy. <laughs> oh, you? Uh, I'm planning to go uh, to Tokyo this uh, this autumn. So uh, I heard there are uh, lots of red cubes there, so I'm going to pick uh, a few. <laughs> lots of red cubes. That's really cute. It was a really cheesy. <laughs> no, I liked it. I thought it was a, yeah. it was a nice one. Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. So what are your impressions of the World Championships and what did you take away from that? Uh, I don't know. It, it's pretty short, so I'm not going to weigh in too much. But I think what... Uh, a, thank you for recording that interview. That was fun to hear those guys. Yeah, no that, uh, and uh, Well, that was Save, by the way. Their team name is Save, if you want to look them up. Pandemic World Champions. Just called SAV. Yeah, because oh. both, both their names are Sebastian. Oh, I... Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fine. Um they just sound really. They <laughs> sound excited and happy about the whole thing. Yeah. So. and they they had just been killed in the in the national qualifiers. Oh, okay. Well, either way, just fun. Yeah, you know, it's nice to be able to have be good at a game and also like manage to make it up to a different level. And it's like because we have a an acquaintance who's going. Like we've talked about it a couple times, but he's going to go play like Terra Mystica at. Is it at uh, Gen Con or where's he? Uh... Yeah, he's going to do a bunch of games, but yeah, he's going to Gen Con and Terra Mystica. Oh, sorry, no, that's the uh, World Board Game Champions. World Board Game Championship. Okay, so it's a little different, I guess. Not the same. Yeah. Well, same age. But it's it's kind of weird that it's called that because anybody can just go. Yeah. It's not it's not a finals or anything, but you know, they are doing a lot of board game tournaments. Yeah, I think they're starting to turn it into something like um cuz how long it take for video game tournaments, which are still kind of a joke in my opinion, yeah. but to become more respected. Like there's certain things like let's say uh craft or dota that are still kind of a big deal but some mm -hmm. of the other ones like maybe i'm just showing my bias because i don't care about a lot well, of these games yeah but... you see it on when you go see a movie and they're yeah. like yeah the world championships of battlefield 3 it's, it's like, like oh, give me a break Who some plays people this? i guess enough <laughs> <laughs> like street fighter I, yeah okay you got me with street fighter Every, yeah. a lot of people love these games but uh some of them i don't know yeah well the thing is like nobody in asia plays Battlefield three, maybe a few people, but they're not going to come to very America North American and do a final and CS. I think C Counter Strike is Halo the closest. I can think of Halo. Like yeah. yeah, I think they used to show Halo stuff in there. Pretty cool. But one of the things, one of the main impressions I got from it was they got to the semifinals their first year. Yeah. Uh, in a in a national scene, they failed. They failed to qualify the second year. They came back. They failed to qualify the third year, just for the nationals. Yeah. Then they went to a second qualifier. 
they made it to the nationals, they made it to the finals, and they won. So persistence beats resistance. And it goes to show, too, that these guys are good enough to win the big prize, and they still have trouble making it into, like, it's, yeah, and they're obviously that, not incompetent. They won last year. Yeah. They didn't lose in the French finals. They were killed by the game. <laughs> right. <laughs> Crazy. Like, how tough? I'd like to see, I wonder if it's posted, like, what they did every turn or some sort of, like... Yeah, well, they were all writing it down. Everybody was writing notes except for us, but, you know. It's a little... Yeah. Well. At that point, when we were watching the French one, we were thinking, oh, maybe we're a little over our heads here. Everyone's pretty serious, but... You did all right. You yeah. did all right. Um, what you heard before we heard that clip was um, the first two minutes of the 17-minute version of Allegia by New Order from... Uh, I forget which album. I think it might be... Um, uh, Brotherhood, I could be mistaken. The reason I brought it, I played it is because um, Allegia is, uh, was, my understanding is it was written as a memorial for Ian, um, uh, Ian Curtis, I think was the former lead singer of Joy mm. Division, who uh, um, killed himself and kind of the band went on to form New Order after that. But mm. uh, we had something not quite as tragic in the... the More tragic. It was way, way worse <laughs> <laughs> occurred to us today. In our our D and D campaign, yeah. So it's a somber day for two reasons. One, obviously, because of the loss in pandemic national finals. We just we can't we can't win. Come back from it, and the next day, weekend is another day of death. Joel, do you want to do you want to describe what happened? Do you yeah? Do you so, feel comfortable? <laughs> it's, it's it's a little tender. No, um, in in our D and D session, I have a character who is a human fighter, and was kind of a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting it lightly. He was a terrible, I, terrible human being. I didn't even find him that bad. It was just like you irritated some other people. <laughs> yeah. Other people in the party had tried to kill me before. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Um, I was selfish. I was a... Fairly I, xenophobic I can, Yeah, xenophobic. I considered humans above all other uh, classes. Or yeah. Elves and halflings I looked down on. I wouldn't speak to the dwarves and things like this. You're more than happy to ride on a Goliath. So. Yeah, but Goliaths are cool and, <laughs> and dragons are cool. Yeah. I, I thought they were really awesome. Uh, so I had this character named Rudge, and he was a real character, and I, did, I guess I'd never really thought about it until um, he was killed today. Yeah. And after he was killed, everyone sat around and reminisced yeah, that on was, all uh, the things he had done. That was kind of interesting. Eh? And all the shenanigans he had gotten up to. And it was, it was kind of like all of a sudden everyone was like, oh. Well, well that person's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was almost like we were talking about a person. Yeah. Like, well, you know, it's, you, you joke, but you, you become, we're not heavy role players in this, <laughs> in this yeah. game. But there was enough of the sort of the, I, I don't know. Uh, character development of sorts, people getting personalities with certain characters that you, it's like, oh, remember the time he did this? And you're not talking about, remember the time Joel did that? You're talking about, remember the time Runge decided yeah. he wanted to murder that entire family of goblins because he didn't like them <laughs> yeah. and didn't want more goblins? Which I'll be honest, if, if, uh, if Baylor died, I don't think there's anything I would remember about him. <laughs> Which, stuff is not well, it's, it, but it, it goes to say, like, some people are more into the role-playing. And, like, yeah. so let's say um, Sanamore's character died. Like, I'd say, oh, remember the time he burned down that, that village? <laughs> or remember the time he, like, <laughs> nuked us because we were standing in front of him or something? Yeah. Just... yeah, yeah. Remember when he said, watch out? Watch out. <laughs> and then he, <laughs> and then the he did the same thing anyway. It's like, it's not a real-time game. I can't really... <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I guess what happened was that uh, we've been had harder and harder enemies thrown at us, and we had this one dragon class enemy now where it could do this really big attack, and it can do it once every five rounds. Which is pretty nuts. And um, 
didn't insta-kill me. I think I probably had the opportunity to heal myself and increase my AC at some point. But mm. Well, the AC ignores AC. I don't think it would have made a difference. True. Felt fairly confident at 31 health. It's a lot of health. Uh, I took 46. Yeah. Which, obviously, negative 10 is that threshold where if you go beyond negative 10 health in D&D, you're dead. Yeah. So he was killed. And I think it was kind of like the party was relieved because they kind of wanted him to die. And then after a little bit of reflection, they kind of thought, oh, maybe we should bring him back. And then <laughs> and then we're like, no, no, it's better this way. <laughs> I know if I, my character was killed off, I'd be a little disappointed because I feel like I've invested a bit of uh, some heart into him. You put person, you put your, you put your soul into him a little bit, you know? Yeah. And there's some time it takes, it's not as simple as just like grabbing a character. Oh, here we go. It's like, I, I don't care about this person. Like you, you put some effort into building the character. Exactly. And... We're not professional actors and we're no. not uh, story writers in any sense of the word. So it, it takes us some time to develop what we want our characters to do. Yeah. And, uh, you have, I, I don't know if it was just temporary for, like, I don't know if Mark was expecting us to do some more, but I think everyone was kind of done at that point. But you were briefly this incredible, <laughs> super gigantic, awesome, <laughs> like, superhero that flew in and <laughs> with a plus 11 axe or something. Yeah, like that. and I think I actually am going to be that character um, coming into the next story. But I guess there's a there's an actual, uh, a major hero in the world of D&D because so I, I kind of looked him up and he's in maybe four different stories mm-hmm. where he's this just this giant uh, ice dragon. Oh. Or sorry, ice giant. Oh, okay. And he's uh, he's kind of like a, a Hulk <laughs> in a sense because he's, he's like Chaotic the guy that like, I'm helping, but yeah. he's just destroying everything. Well, you know, cities have to get crushed if you're fighting Godzilla, right? You yeah, can't exactly. just save everyone, I guess. Anyway, so Joel, we lost a character today, but we didn't lose a friend. We, we've gained one, if anything. Rip in peace to um, to run. To run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and now obviously I get the opportunity to create a new character, which is is pretty cool. I don't have any idea. I was thinking about making a bard, uh, and then Stefan said I should make a bard, so now I don't want to. Oh no, <laughs> no, I, I might still do it, but I feel know. like we need another. I can't be sitting there absorbing all these hits because it was you and me that were up there. And just yeah, exactly. And I went from this like heavy damage uh, utility wizard to just a fighter, which yeah. is basically your objective is to get hit and and just be there to to be in the way so the wizards don't die. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think we need that again. Because it seems pretty brutal, but a lot of these... Spe- my only issue with the dragon encounter was that D&D does these very swingy things at times where it's like... And maybe you could argue it goes both ways, but there are t- like the cone of cold stuff I found was ridiculous. Where it's just like, it's one spell, it ignores AC. Did you pass a basic check? If you did, great. You're still taking half damage from this stuff anyway. So yeah, exactly. just eating 46 damage is enough to nuke with most, a total of 54. With a total of 54 is just <laughs> like it's a nuke. It's crazy yeah. and. It would have destroyed probably, I think, half the party if... There were a lot of characters that did not have that health as a max health. You know? Yeah, not, not even, even close. close. Yeah. So it's sad to lose them, but I think it's... Uh, well, I'm <laughs> Which is lucky see what for comes those next. characters that they're allowed to cast their spells from no matter where they are. <laughs> There's it, no range. I was going to say, what is there a range issue with some of that stuff? Or so some of them are 60 feet, some of them are 30 feet, and some of them are 100 feet. I was feeling acutely aware of the distance today where I was... Yeah, where they were too far for us to reach. Yeah. But then I I find that, like, any time we get into a scenario, no matter what the scenario is, um, 
the warlock and the and the caster cast exactly where they want to cast no matter where they are whereas i feel like in the other campaigns we would have to do a little bit of maneuvering yeah i don't know whether it's just because of people being like not wanting to care about the the tactical yeah. side of it as much or or maybe just ditching certain mechanics in favor of having some fun but yeah some less less fun things. i think if the distance Especially when you can't move and cast on the same turn. exactly so i think if the distance stuff came into it there'd be a lot more kind of weak turns and i think a lot more scary things happening to characters <laughs> because of just how squishy some of these uh, yeah exactly but Cause some of our saving graces is there's something that comes in that could just kill us yeah uh but we have so many turns that we kill it before it even yeah, it's just do you something. Murder it before it has a chance or, yeah. or grapple it. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's a and d update. Yeah. Now, Joel did get to play something new recently as well that uh, I, I don't know if it made a splash, but it came out and I, didn't, I haven't played it yet, but I found the reaction to it was muted. Yeah, yeah, I think it had a very quiet release. I think especially for a game that's fairly big. People that were followers of the game probably picked it up, but there was no hype. Yeah, that's right. Was talking Maybe, about but it. how long did Okay, coming right up. Splendor, the yeah. expansion for it, the was the cities, cities of palaces Splendor, yeah. whatever. Um I don't know how long Splendor's been out. It won I think Golden Geek. Mm. Uh, I want to say like 2015, Maybe even earlier, yeah. Maybe even earlier. And then it takes, and I think I like seeing expansions come out significantly after because it means to me that people have been thinking about or playing it enough and saying, this would be cool. This would be good. I hate this Kickstarter like style of, okay, here's your game. Also comes with three expansions. Like, hold on a second. (laughs) You didn't have this to put in the game. Yeah. You didn't have this or is this something where you just thought, oh, I can trick more people into backing because look at this. But anyway, tell us about uh, Cities of Splendor. So Cities of Splendor is uh, three different expansions put into one. They're all optional. And some of them, um, one in particular, I think it's called the Oriental Road, um, is basically an an add-on to the game where you could just play Splendor, even if it's in the game. Okay. Uh, And that is just because it's optional cards on the other side. Now, what do those ones do? Um, there's certain ones like at the bottom, you can buy one that's just two gold bags that you can throw out for any two colors. Okay. So it's a fairly cheap card that just counts as two for something when you really need to rush up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of the really cool ones are in the middle where you can do, uh, maybe it's a green gem and an anything gem. Mm -hmm. So obviously it's a wild card. Yeah. Uh, None of those give you points. So Ah. you're giving up the points in the middle row for better things. In fact, some of them are double gems. Oh. Um, And then the third one is actually one of my favorite utilitarian things is uh, cards are cards. You always keep your cards in Splendor. Yeah. In um, the third row, you can actually destroy two of your cards to take one of those for like a lot of points, like five points. So say you have two green cards mm-hmm. uh, and you don't really need green anymore. Yeah. Um, you can throw out two of those zero point green cards and instead take a five point. And you just, what do you mean? You just take a card from the fifth row or do you have to take another? No, no, you take that card, which is probably like oh, a red gem and five points. Oh, I see. So it's a specific card that you're, you're yeah, grabbing. And it'll be a gem in itself. So is this, this is just one module. Yeah. So that's one module. The module we tried today uh is called strongholds and it is a brutal brutal expansion imagine splendor played normally except that every time you buy a card you can put down one of these little towers 
and your opponent cannot buy that card. Until? Until they buy a different card and take that off. Or they have the option to put it, their own tower on something else. Yeah. So basically, uh, you'll find that the bottom row just kind of gets dibsed, and then the middle row starts to be dibsed. And there's also an additional function, which Sam tried to do, but I managed to just buy a card and take one of her things off, which is where if you have put three strongholds on a single card... Oh, you can multiple, or you can put extras. Yeah, which locks it down even stronger, I suppose. But also, um, if you get three strongholds on a different card, you can then take two buy actions on a turn, which means you could buy something below and then also buy that, but you have to be able to afford it as well. So you you say below, so you could buy the card directly underneath it? Well, you could buy any other card. Oh. And then as an additional action, buy that card. Interesting. Do What happens to towers? Do they go away or do they... They go back into your, yeah, into your stock. Huh. And then, obviously, since you've bought a card, one of them will come back out. Mm. The One of the interesting things, and one of the things that mitigates it being from too powerful, is that you have to decide where to put your stronghold before the next card flips. Okay. So that there's always a flipped card that is an option for the other person. You can't completely choke them out. To me, And there's only three. Yeah. Wait, you mean three per player? You each get three. Yeah. To me, it sounds like a, a nightmare because there there are a couple times when I'll play Splendor that there's it's happened before where I don't want to or I can't buy anything. Yeah, and we I'm, both got into that situation. Where we got stuck. Yeah, and what do you end up doing? Do you just like start to take you jokers? You just take golds. Yeah, and remove a tower and yeah. <laughs> hope they don't put a tower down again. Okay, so that's the second one. What was the third? Uh, the third I haven't played yet, but okay. it's got a board out and some shields, and it looks interesting. I have no idea what it does. <laughs> it's, all right, so first impressions. This is the first time you played this, right? Yeah, it, it adds a lot of content. Obviously, it adds two very v- v- um, variable uh, versions of playing pe- uh, Splendor for people who are tired of it. Yeah. Uh, Splendor's a great game to just pick out and not think too much about it. Yeah. But um, I think that... The expansion is not necessary in any way. Um, it's not but cheap it is, either, isn't it? It's close neat. to like the base game's price. Oh, yeah, it's like 30, 35 bucks. Yeah. Um, it's it's neat, and I don't know if I'd recommend it. I think uh, if you, you only get want it on one sale, plan, yeah. pick it up because you know you'll end up trying it out, and it's neat. And you, you, we end up playing with the Oriental Road quite a bit, actually. And that's the one with the special. Uh, like yeah, trash two cards additional and options yeah I like that it's modular that's I think there's no other way you could have done the expansion for Splendor without yeah. uh, doing that stuff and I'm, is there a whole new color at all did they add something like that no the base game is the base game yeah no changes there just that you get these uh, these other things you can do yeah and do you feel like for whatever you paid for this the 35 bucks or so do you feel like you're getting stuff or does it just feel like you've bought a bunch of cards that are um you know, I think it's like you, basically what you're getting is like here's a new way of playing, and if if that's what uh, if that's what you need because Splendor has gotten boring for you, then yeah, it's worth it. But you know, you're not really getting it. Do you still like Splendor? Yeah, Splendor's still fun. I think <clears throat> I, I never suggest Splendor. It's never like, hey, let's play Splendor. <laughs> yeah, it's always something. It travels. Sam nice says, thing. let's yeah. play Splendor, and yeah. I say, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, because I won't say no to it. It's fine. But usually I'm just trying to get through it to the next game. I think Azul's replaced Splendor <laughs> for me. Yeah. If you said, Jack, what do you want to do? Splendor or Azul? I say, Azul. Absolutely Azul. Because 
I'm trying to think about why. And I think with me, Splendor, Azul is very random, but at least it's all, everything you see is right there. Like, you know all the tiles will be there in that round. And depending on how they're selected, that's where you're kind of like anticipating what your opponent's up to. Splendor, I found, I've, there's been too many times that I'm playing. I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I'm not great at Splendor. I, yeah. can, I can fumble my way through a game and win a couple here and there, but there are times when I'm playing it and I just feel like, Every time I've got my card selection, it's garbage, and I'll buy something, and then it causes another card to flip up. It's perfect for someone else. And yeah, it's like, am, why so am I buying this? So, okay, I'll take gold, and I just... Uh, too much randomness. And there's a time and a place for it, but me, for me, Azul is just, like, it does... It's very similar experience. I love how tactile it is, and I think that's... What does everyone love with Splendor? The yeah. chips. Just sitting there, and like, stacking it up. And there's plenty more previous information in Azul. You get to see the next... 20 tiles yeah right? something like that so and we actually we taught it to megan and brett on yeah. friday they came over and uh, nice i actually taught it to kyle while we were oh, waiting yeah. for actually i saw that you posted a start. picture of that yeah, <laughs> yeah. what kyle think of it he loved and i don't know how but he got like 82 points on his first go <laughs> like the good. second game we played yeah was much more of a regular like yeah, 40 yeah. something to 40 something what you'd expect mm. you just got it it was incredible sometimes it clicks i yeah. I, I think I'm I'm I will I I will say this I think I'm pretty good at Azul and picking I can, it up I can grab some crazy points and the um, Kale and I have almost exclusively switched over to the advanced side because I like it it's I think it's it's easy and this is how I describe it it's easier and harder at the same time easier at first right because you can put things anywhere and you can just like oh the the world is my oyster and then you start <laughs> to your the, the color drains from your face when you realize how you screwed yourself yeah. and you start to well that's the thing it's so easy to get points early yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I can't put any more blues down. Yeah, <laughs> and you can actually screw things up and that you can never finish certain uh, sections if yep. you've built things incorrectly. And to be fair, it's like a fairly edge case that, oh, no, you, there's only one you can't do. But it, it just, I think that's really where, if you're teaching new people, never. I think that's a terrible thing to do because you'll <laughs> yeah. just break brains. But the basic game and the advanced side, I think Azul is just a, a really lovely little game that, Again, I don't hate Splendor, but yeah. if you were to put the two next here, it's fucking yeah. out of your Splendor. What's, what's the genre? Abstract strategy? Abstract strategy. Uh, tiling. tiling. <laughs> no, barely tiling. Like, yeah. uh, maybe on the other side you're tiling. As long as there's no features, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> that's All why right. I'll still play Gaia. Well, wait, which is that the card game? No, that's a toppling game, but all the pieces are the same and there's no orientation. I don't remember Gaia. Did we play it or did... I own it. I think I taught it to you once. Did yeah. we actually play it, or was there's it one like, of these things I was looking at? And there's water, and there's it's like I don't remember. It's like a very song. basic Terramistica, and then there's sand and water and mud and stuff, but you don't have a race or anything like that. Huh. You have to refresh, man. Yeah, we're running out of time, but uh, Azul, pick it up. Azul, grab it. Pandemic Survival, definitely go to a qualifier if you get the chance. And if you're interested in Pandemic, like look it up, just see what if this is like. If yeah. this is a game you really enjoy and you want to get deeper into, then read about the strategies because you were looking it up before and it was interesting hearing people say, like, statistically really you should cool. build in these places. Look at these vectors. And yeah, that was neat. And also D&D, &D, uh, you know, game death is, is worse than real death. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thanks for listening.